You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Techie Leadership Show. Today with us yet again we have Nedialko Milenkov here to continue our small abridged tech series about self-hosting. And the famous chapter for today is Ned It's about calendar and contacts. How to self-host your own calendar and contacts. Yeah. Is it like an advent calendar, Christian calendar, <laughs> old school calendar, Gregorian? You can do whatever you like. Okay. So yeah. why is it important to self-host your calendar and contacts? Well, it's i i wouldn't say that was on, on top of my list right on top of my list it was to self host my file files to synchronize my files then to self host my email and then to self host uh, my own personal youtube uh and then i just said you know i've self hosted so many things so why i just don't self host contacts and calendars but uh Really, I think it's uh, more of a more of a convenience because what we've discussed on first episode for self-hosted applies here as well. So you're not reliant on any service, right? I mean, if that service stops working, you need to export your contacts and calendar events. So with self-hosted, it's you're your own boss. Uh, and also because it's uh, it's convenient, it's it's private, it's secure, it's it's simple. It's very simple to self-host uh, contact and calendar server. It's really simple, simple technology. So uh, that was the reason why I chose. So I told you guys, it's like self-hosted is like addiction or like a journey. <laughs> so the more the more you do, the more you want to self-host. <laughs> Ah, makes sense. Uh, would you say that um, it's easier to set up the self-hosting for calendar and contacts? Um, is it easier than uh, files? Yes, it's uh, much easier. Much, okay, much easier. Pro tip for anybody listening, you probably might want to start with your contacts and calendar. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, self-hosting your files, it's much more fun. And, and that's why what, what I did first, right? Uh, it's much more fun. But then, you know, the easiest way to self-host is to do calendar and contacts. Uh, and a lot of people, they don't, they took it as granted. They take it as granted. For example, you, you use from your Gmail, you use your calendar and then uh, use your, your contacts in Gmail uh but how many how many of you guys listening have have you made a backup of your content of your contacts of oh, your calendar so yeah so what happens if you if your account gets stolen or locked out uh or or something else you know you lose all your contacts and you use all your previous and future calendar events so Uh, well, I hope since it's a paid account, um, I'm gonna get some sliver of customer support on it. Yeah, dream on. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's if you're using paid account, you're using Google or uh, yeah, Google. 
So for Google, it's, it's a paid account. Self-hosted um, domain, but the infrastructure for uh, oh, yeah. for the email service is uh, third party. So Google, yeah. Uh, it's Google. Yeah, so but even I like mean, on my old Yahoo email, uh, it's also paid uh, just in case uh, they decide to delete oh. them or something happens. Yeah, he has the pro tier. <laughs> yes. He's very happy. He has no ads, no advertisements. Yeah, I get no ads in it, and it's it's like my super old email. I have like a lot of services uh, it's like the backup of the backups yeah, older like than oh, 10 wait. years yeah they were it's it's my first it's actually my second email that i got the first one had like one year lifespan and then i got this one and i've been using it uh, ever since and lots of contacts lots of old conversations uh, yeah, and paying for them for them so they don't get deleted. I, I think they had a special offer in one year, something like Yahoo wanted to do an outreach, and they say pay just ten dollars a year for the pro tier, something uh, like that. Yeah, something like that. I, I got it like I think cheaper than it it is actually. Way cheaper, I know. <laughs> no, so you got a good deal. Yeah, I got a good deal then, and I'm keeping it going. Yeah. It's it's a good email address. <laughs> so. Great. I mean, yeah, you could use, I mean, paid accounts. Since you're paying, you should, in theory, get good support if something happens. Yeah. But Never happened again, uh, knock on wood if I ever get to use it because <laughs> I don't think it's going to be like a good experience. <laughs> you never know until you try it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we could, so it's, you know, when you when you pay for something, you feel more secure, right? So that's, you know, just a tip yeah. if someone is not into self-hosted, just to look for some paid services, right? But then you, what happens if these paid services, they go busted, you know, you're with the same dilemma. So... Yeah. That's why, you know, it's simple, it's easy. Maybe you should, well, maybe you could try self-host this uh, calendar and contact stuff and uh, so see how it's going. I remember, so I use a very simple server. Uh, it's very lightweight, so you can run it even on Raspberry Pi. Uh, you can, of course, I run it on Docker. You know, remember my one of my rules yeah. is to to for the for the server software to for the self-hosted solution to have a Docker support. So what I did is I just uh, uh, find I found the server. I just wrote you know self-host contacts and calendars. Uh, I did some research for a couple of hours. I saw that. Radical or Radicale is a very popular server. It's, it's just that, only contacts and, uh, and calendar. And uh, I found the Docker. I went to my uh, QNAP, to my NAS server. I wrote uh, Radicale in the search field. It, find my doc it found the Docker container for Radical. I pressed install and that was it. I had a... I had a calendar and contact server up and running. And then I created uh, a user account uh, and uh, I've connected my phone. 
to that uh, user account. I've connected my uh, MacBook to that uh, user account. And since then I've been using my own server. So I've, I've kept Google contacts and Google calendar for like three months. So they were running in parallel, right? Okay. And after three months, I've deleted everything in my Google contacts and I've deleted everything in my Google calendar because uh, I felt confident that, you know, the, the my self-hosted solutions was working and was uh, reliable enough. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, people don't think about it, but uh, contacts, they are stored in the so-called vCard format, which is a text file format. And uh, unless you have a lot of pictures, like for example, pictures of your contacts, uh, if you don't have any pictures of your contacts or avatars, uh, most of the information is just text, right? It's a phone number, it's the name of the contact, maybe a birthday, maybe some notes, but this is text. So I had hundreds of contacts and when I, uh, exported them, it was like less than three megabytes, you know, the whole file, yeah. the whole text uh -huh. file was uh, less than three megabytes. And vCard is an open <laughs> format. Exactly. Yeah. You can use it. You can use it to import it on your phone on, on any service. And uh, calendar is the same. All your calendar events, they're just text files or they, they're yeah. text, right? So it's nothing magical. I've exported all my calendar events and you know, they were less than a few, uh, few megabytes because it's, uh, it's text. So my contact server, my calendar server, is, it's taking, I think, 100 megabytes tops and this is with a Docker container and with everything. And even if I add 100 contacts more, it wouldn't wow. go wouldn't go a lot, maybe one megabyte tops. So it's, it's really so convenient. The only concern I have is like integration, uh, because you mentioned like how well does it integrate, like uh, sending invites, calendar invites, yeah. that's, the, that's the major one. Like you want to have a meeting. That's a good question. And you're scheduling it. Can they also get like the invite? Uh, does it inbox? Uh, can I accept it? Um, do they see like modification and changes that you're doing to the um, invites, mm -hmm. to the meetings? That's a very good question. So uh, the contacts and calendars, they uh, they synchronize with, with your device through an open protocol. It's been standardized for years. Uh, so, uh, the, the contact and calendar server already cow it it's already using this standard so you can connect it to your phone you can connect it to your outlook or whatever client you are using so that's a standard it should not be a problem uh, what it does not support uh, is what you've mentioned with uh, accepting invitation right uh, mm -hmm. but when someone else is sending you an invite uh, you can import it in your calendar and you can accept it because when you press yes, it's not a magical thing that's happening on the, on the background. Your Google calendar, when you press yes, is actually opening a link. And this link is confirming your attendance. 
to the to the invite. Yes. So even if you don't use Google Calendar and you receive a Google Calendar invite, uh, it is sent with this number file that you can import with one click uh, on your own server. And then if you press uh, yes, I'm joining, you will confirm. The thing that uh, it does not support is when uh, it's when you send an invitation, um, they cannot, you cannot see if they have accepted or not. There's the, there's the oh, only problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not a problem. Oh, you can send the invitation, you, you just do not get yes, the confirmation. Exactly. Um, exactly. That shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, they can confirm it the classic way. Yes, I will gladly join you. Send. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, but this is just because I've chosen very simple server, right? I mean, you could go to, last time we mentioned OnCloud or we mentioned NextCloud. These, yes. um, these solutions, they have calendar and contact server out of the box, right? I'm just a fan of uh, simplicity. So uh, Radical, it doesn't have a database. It stores everything in, in, in files. It's very fast, it's very lightweight, but it stores everything in, in files. So it doesn't have a database. But if you want to have uh, accept support or calendar sharing, you know, you could, uh, you could go to Nextcloud or you could use OwnCloud or some other self-hosted yeah. solution. So it's possible, uh, so it's possible to do it. But even you guys, you use, uh, yeah, yeah, even you, for example, because I look at it as a security list to share my calendar to everyone, right? Because, uh, for example, I, I wanna I wanna schedule a, a meeting with, with, with friends or we wanna go out and we wanna find a free slot, right? So, uh, nobody is going to share their whole calendar just to see availability. And um, for example, you need to be in Google ecosystem to see the availability of other Google accounts. But if, yeah. for example, the other user is in Outlook or in Office 365, they won't see your availability. So, and, and that's why there are third party services. Uh, something that you are using as well for to, yeah. to to show your calendar, right? But you could use the same third-party service with a self-hosted calendar. Well, you shouldn't uh, yeah. share you all your um, calendar with uh, with uh, you know just people over the internet, anyways, because it's the same thing with people that kept posting pictures in their house. Tomorrow, I'm leaving for three <laughs> weeks to go to Dubai. And everybody could see a nice flat screen TV, a nice couch, some jewelry, some, you know, that's, exactly. you just don't do that. Yeah. Why would you I advertise? Since we're talking about security, how, um, how does self-hosting improve security and does it improve it? Um, so obviously if you self-host, you are not gonna, you know, you're not gonna have the team that Google has or Apple has or Amazon have for security. These guys are living 24 seven and they're just, you know, looking about security issues and trying to uh, secure the platform. But we like uh, to think that way, that's, that's what they're doing. Especially the Yahoo team. 
<laughs> yeah. But with the security breaches that we keep hearing appearing, and those are the known ones. The public ones. Yeah, uh, because I'm sure there are smaller ones that we don't know about. Like yeah. recently, like the, the United States, they have like a huge security. The government. Breach. The government. A governmental is, breach. Yes. For, for over nine months, they can't even quantify how deep the breach goes. Yes. And they have specialists protecting <laughs> them. I'm sure they have. Uh, some specialists there, but yeah. well, it's um, it there is they a, should hire some hackers. It seems better. There is a saying, and it's uh, it's not if you're gonna have a breach, it's when. And uh, this is applicable to companies. It's applicable to everyone because uh, it's the same as hard drives. It's not if a hard drive will fail. It's when it will fail, right? Because uh, I, I know a lot of friends that, you know, I ask them, have you backed your photos? And they say, yeah, they're on external hard drive. And I say, a, a USB hard drive? Yes, yes, they're on a secure location. And I was like, do you know that this thing has life? I mean, like three, four years, five years, one year. And you're like, what do you mean? I mean that, you know, it has an X amount of lifespan and then it's over, you lose all your information. So that's why you you need to have backup on different devices. You know, you need to ensure backup that to the backups to the backup. Yeah, backup to the backup. Well, grandma didn't have any pictures and she was happy enough. So <laughs> I'm a firm believer that memories should be kept in between your ears. Yeah. I have a short memory, so that's why I like to <laughs> I have a short memory it. too. So <laughs> <laughs> which i think it, it's good for humans to have short memories because that's how the past is pretty good yeah uh, we keep forgetting about it life is pretty painful a very accurate memory won't do us much good in the long run you tend to get older and older and just give up <laughs> yeah so but getting back like to to the security the security to the security so yeah. is 100 secure no matter how much money you throw at it, but like, what w- would you say, like estimating like out of the box uh, when you start like a, a Docker container, how secure is it? Like the default configuration, and so, so you don't have to fiddle with it. Yeah. So what what you do is you're not exposing any open ports. You are opening only the ports that. Uh, you want to be open for the services. For example, if you uh, calendar selfing, you could on uh, the web server port like uh, 443. This is the secured uh, HTTPS. And, um, you know, the worst that could happen is uh, someone can exploit, uh, someone can exploit the the server radical and they could gain access to the docker uh, and then you know it is possible theoretically it's possible to uh, find a flow in docker and get outside of the docker container but it's very unlikely because it's virtual right so yeah uh, for it it's like you you rent an AWS server and then you exploit that server 
and you gain access to other AWS servers that are hosted on the same physical machine. It's very rare, right? This, this is, uh, it could happen theoretically, but it's very rare. So this is another reason why I use Docker so containers. Everything is isolated, right? Even if they hack your, even if they hack your uh, Docker, they won't be able to access other information on your network. So it's I a also, very. I also think that it's like this, like foreign hackers or whoever does wants to do this, is it's more beneficial for them to penetrate the system and get like a million or three million accounts at once. Absolutely. All the data for all those accounts, uh, because it's same basically it's the same effort, uh, or it shouldn't be like that. That the scale. Of, the magnitude between hacking a uh, private server and hacking a uh, bigger corporation. So they, yeah. they, they, plus they need to find where, what yeah. are the, what are the addresses of your servers? I, I was so it's, yeah. it's harder to, to detect them on the network. They have to know you uh, and the data itself is not that valuable. It's valuable to you. But Absolutely. it's not something that uh, it's going to be valuable like on the open market, except if you're really famous and maybe you have some, uh, I don't know what kind of yeah, pictures was, uh, you're uh, going to uh, have yeah. stored there. I was going to say it's very hard to be an indiscriminate victim. So kind of like when you're just a face in the 3 million accounts uh, dumped, you know, mm -hmm. you're just one victim. So there it makes sense. But if... The only reason people will, would target you if you have something of value, and if you have something of value, there's always and you and you make that public, so yeah. you don't use common sense. There's always going to be somebody that is willing to pay half the 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 value of what they're taking from you to yeah. penetrate and your systems. It's it's a very good point. I mean, this is what I I also was going to say. This it's. Hackers, they concentrate on, 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 on quantity, not on quality. So they would rather hack a server that has hundreds of accounts, thousands of accounts, millions of accounts, then, you know, find your own server, look at the software that you are using and try to exploit that specific software. Like this is the power of uh, decentralization, right? Yes. And this is why it's so scary right now. For example, I really like Tesla, but uh, I <laughs> see that everything in everything in Tesla it's you know going through a central server. And they did have a major security flaw, by the way, uh, but it was from a white that hacker. That we know of. Yeah, that we know of. So they they patched it. But imagine imagine if if someone hacks Tesla, they can ultimately disable all of the cars instantaneously right that's not cool yeah. that's while, not cool while they're driving and that would accidents would happen no that that actually doesn't scare me because that would make a, a a security problem very obvious what would scare me is somebody gets access and uh, they can target specific people you know like a hit list oh he's driving yeah. his tesla he's worth two million dollars to me too bad he'll never make it for coffee. Yeah. And, and stuff like that, very hard to, 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 yeah. to detect. I think this should be the this should be the, the main topic, not in, in terms of security, not about people questioning the security of self-hosted. Because 
no, no, nobody's gonna gonna target you personally. You know, they're gonna target big organizations. They they're gonna target yeah. central systems, and this is why self-hosted is so systems, important. Yeah. yeah, because self-hosted is decentralized. If someone wants to hack, you know, thousands of people that self-host, these hackers they need to do it manual, computer by computer. Right. So that's another another pro, <laughs> another pro for self-hosted. Right. Uh, so, yeah. It, in terms of the security, most of the most. I mean, it just my advice is to have common sense. Don't use the full password. Use password generator. Generate a forty-six character long password. You know put it in the password manager, and they're not going to hack it. I mean, obviously, if you set up the self-hosted server with admin, admin, then, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I you think set it's up the defaults, user defaults. Uh, user admin, password root. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Yeah, change yeah, the default, yeah. at least that. Just change the default, yeah. it's, it's better. Yeah, change uh, the defaults. It should even be enough. if you don't have like really complicated uh, solutions like passwords and users, uh, just the fact that you you activate a mechanism that uh, times them out or after a certain number of attempts slows them down. Uh, that's oh yeah, absolutely. To, to absolutely. provide security, don't let them open to try like a hundred thousand in a minute. <laughs> yeah, or what what you could do is because it's self-hosted. And you know, people really need to start thinking that it's self-hosted. I mean, if you live in Romania and you are the user of your contact server, just block China, block uh, Russian IPs, yeah. block if you, you could block even the state, you could block anything else but Romania yeah, when you go outside. Yeah. I mean, when you when you go out on a trip, what yeah. The, what about so it's, it's very simple. It's self-hosted, man. <laughs> You could yeah. use VPN. No I mean, you could set up VPN. VPN is very secure. VPN is very secure. And if, you, if you're so concerned about security, you could make your contact and calendar server accessible only through VPN. Or even you could say, I want to access my server when I'm home, right? Because you don't update your contact so often. Maybe you don't update your calendar so often. So you could just make it accessible only locally if you're so concerned about security, right? But <laughs> no, I was asking you. Uh, it's, it's, you have to look at the benefits. If you go overboard, you get to invest like a lot in security and spend like a lot of time and lose your mind and all kinds of configurations. Uh, and it doesn't make sense because for God's sake, you're not having like uh, the some secret data that reveals god knows what yeah, so for for common people if if you just remember not to use the same password for every account because that's most of the breaches that happen somebody mm. breaks this big company they see that password for that email and they try to go into absolutely every different serv service with yeah. that combination of password and email <laughs> and if you use the same password you know, for, well, we kept bashing uh, Yahoo is just an example. Then they'll try banks, Facebook, mm -hmm. Google. They'll try everything else. And, and also turn on two-factor authentication if you can. That's good to use yeah. two-factor authentication. And 
you know be creative when you when you make your passwords you know don't it doesn't have to be you know, like one one was the, the joke I, I was going it's not a joke <laughs> I, i i never confirmed it but they had um, they had to let go an employee so she had to give back her corporate account and uh, she gave the account and underneath the password for the corporate account and it was 10 disney characters mickey mini uh so the name of 10 disney characters ended with sacramento oh. and people asked why but it says it had it had to be 10 characters long and contain one capital so that was <laughs> nobody could break that password <laughs> yeah but it makes these are the kinds of passwords that are very strong because exactly. the second uh, point of security most breaches most very high level breaches they don't happen because they uh, you know it's like in the movies matrix style some guys working with six terminals and 50 computers and his brute forcing no he looks you up on um, facebook for example and he finds out what your dog's name is ah! or he gives out a, a nice quiz find out what would be your superhero name oh it's a God. combination This, i saw like a clip and the guy was actually on the street and he was asking people like do you have like a secure email password and the guy says yes What's the format at the end? He'll be, it's my dog name and the year I finished college or what college I followed. And then the next question was, wow, you have a dog? What's your dog's name? And they would tell the guy the yeah, dog's name. It's Petey. Yeah, it's Petey. And you have it since you've been to college. Yeah, I've been to college there. And, I fi- and you finished it all oh, in this year. Oh, then you have the password. And they were clueless. They would walk away without even connecting the two, like, he asked you about your passport format there on the street and then asked you exactly to get the information if anybody is curious <laughs> to learn more about this that was it's, a funny clip it's called social engineering so yeah. the this yeah. tactic of finding out uh, the weak spots uh, to penetrate the company it's called social engineering it's the same with with these big companies that have you know like um, uh, special key passes and and passwords and stuff mm. like this if 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 one of the people employed there is paid like a really crap salary and you can bribe that person <laughs> you're in the system why pay two million for the most up-to-date uh, security system that just advertises that you're mm. hiding something of value without paying a couple of thousand dollars in in repetitive instruction training you know meetings with your employees and also paying your employees better. and playing your employees Look, better if you have like a hundred million dollars worth of information somebody comes to one of your employees and offers them like i'll give you a million dollars i'll give you half now half later you just bring me the hard drives from from the company like they're gonna find some yeah. other person to do it i'm gonna tell you uh, I personally believe that all these very big hacks and big companies, they don't happen because somebody, you know, penetrates their their systems. We're talking about legacy code. We're talking about code so big, it takes two years to train a developer with full access that's working with people that know the code. And it still takes months and months and months of time until they understand it and they can use it and navigate it themselves. And you're telling me, some guy in some country 
after breaching every peculiar method of entering the system just knows where the where the soft spots are no it's either somebody left and he was pissed off and uh, you know he wanted to get revenge which is doesn't happen often or he's a loudmouth you know he 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 brought up a point with the company of a security risk nobody took him into account he got a little drunk in a bar, you know, he wants to impress somebody. Ah, let me tell he, he doesn't say the company name, but he says the problem. How hard it is to find out what company that guy works for. Or he has it on his LinkedIn. He has it on his Facebook. Release notes where you put yeah. too much tech information and you don't realize that you, you fucked up and you didn't secure it correctly. And it's written like there that <laughs> a hole might be open now. <laughs> so I've saw, like I saw security yeah. breaches in release notes release notes <laughs> great job oh they're everywhere even in source code yeah so yeah. in github so it's not a question maybe we it's should do an episode thing. about security no that's a great idea uh since uh, we're, we're dragging off now so yeah. let's wrap this off next time we're going to talk about what net uh so next time we're gonna talk about hosting your own uh, youtube server now Cool. Just, yeah, a lot of people will just say, ah, I don't want to, you know, have uh, my own YouTube server, so I'm going to skip that episode. Please don't. And this is why. So uh, the reason why I started self-hosting my own YouTube server is not because I want to, you know, self-host video content and then advertise it to others. The only reason was that I was making videos and I wanted to share these videos with my friends and with my family. Right? And every time I, I make a video with my iPhone, you know, HD resolution, good quality and etc. or even with my camera, I through WhatsApp, it gets compressed, you know, uh, the a lot of um, bad quality goes down and then you have a limitation. I mean, you cannot send anything that's longer like 50 minutes or something like this. You need to chop okay. it down into different uh, files. So it, it's a hassle. And when you send it, it's on their phone, but then when they delete their phone, when they get their new phone, they might uh, lose it, right? So that was the main reason why I say, I wanna host my video, right? My video server somewhere, uh, it's not, it's not that easy to host just the video file and share the link, right? Because you need a streaming server, right? Maybe yeah. the maybe your your uh, your friend is uh, watching three G connection, right? Which is slow. Maybe they're watching it on their phone. Maybe they're watching it on their laptop. So it well, needs let's to not give the a little away. bit more. Yeah. Sophisticated. yeah. Yeah, I, I get carried away. For, so for the, the point yeah. is, the point is, you don't want to host your own YouTube just because you want to be a YouTube star, right? You would want to host your own YouTube to share videos with your friends and family in a convenient way. So this is what we're going to talk. How you can share, awesome. you know, video with friends and family and know that this video will stay in your account, in your hard drive, your country hosted your country mm. yeah, your control so that's uh, that's the next the next topic and in, in summary for Sounds this awesome. one 
it's very simple to self-host contact and calendar server. You could, I mean, if you want a tutorial, you can go to selfhosted.myhub.io or to the techyleadershipshow.com and find that episode and find the links uh, in the description. Yeah. Uh, don't question security because let's be realistic. No one is going to try to personally hack your uh, server. Make sure you use, you know, strong username and password. Don't make a common user. Common sense. Common <laughs> sense is the best uh, is the best approach. By and, far. Yeah, and don't be afraid that you're gonna lose data. I mean, you could say if I self-host my contact and calendar server, and if something happens with my uh, with my server, I lose all my data. That's not true. You have a backup on your phone. You have a backup on your laptop because the way that contacts and calendars work is that your phone downloads all the contacts and stores them locally. Yeah. Your calendar application on your laptop does the same thing. So even if something happens on your server, you have at least two backups on your phone yeah. and the on your computer. Megabytes of them are going to be there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and also, I mean, you could, uh, the same applies to the file server. I think we forgot to mention last time that someone might be, you know, scared to go the self-hosted way on the file server because they could say, what happens if my server dies? I'm going to lose all my data. No, that's not true because you still have your data on your laptop, right? You're using your, uh, your file yes. server to synchronize data between laptop, laptop, another laptop, maybe a phone, even if your server dies, you still have Replica the sets. Hopefully. Yeah. So yeah. don't worry, guys. Try it. And uh, I'm sure you you like it. That's awesome, Ned. And looking forward to the next episode. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next you time. See you next time. See you next time. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe and share please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.